We're back, everybody. Uh, before the interview, we were talking about uh, we were talking about the COVID crisis. We were talking about uh, the Bible being rewritten in China. Yes, um, Jesus stoning the woman caught to adultery, caught Oof. in adultery to death, yes. and, which kind of reminds me of you know some of the. Uh, Sneaky things that can sneak into the Bible sometimes. There is. Have you ever heard of the Wicked Bible? Have I ever talked about the? I, I know I've talked about it here on Faith FM, but I, were you here when we? Talked I've about I've, the I've just heard about it. Okay, right? so you know about the Wicked Bible, the printing of the Bible that said Liam's sh- Liam's shaking his head. He doesn't remember what it is. Well, then give us give us details, like. Okay, what so you've never Wicked heard Bible? of the Wicked Bible. The Wicked Bible was printed back in the day, like uh, back in the day, like maybe the 1700s mm-hmm. thereabouts, and it was a King James version English translation. Mm-hmm. The printer, when he printed the Bible left out one word, one three-letter word out of the entire Bible. He just missed one word. Mm -hmm. And it was the word not, Mm -hmm. N-O-T. Now, he missed this word out in a rather critical space. Yes. Thou shalt not commit adultery. So he left the word not out of there. Hence, it became known as the Wicked Bible. Because thou shalt commit adultery. Yeah, that's what it said in effect. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> okay, and as you can imagine, they tried to um, recall, massive recall on all of those Bibles and have a major Bible burning to get rid of them all. Mm. A few of them have survived and are worth a small fortune today. Yeah. Major collector's Ooh. item right there. Anyway, the funny things that happen. Uh, someone wanted to point out, let me just go, okay, I've got a slew of text messages here, that the majority of Bibles today are printed by Amity Printing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like the world's biggest Bible printer, and they're apparently based in China. Oh, okay. So, so, so this, you know what? The only way to test whether the, the, the right things are being written in these Bibles that are coming from wherever is to read them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because this I is guess, true. This is true. I guess the implication there that whoever, like you know, if it's if it's coming from China, then it's like, whoa, like you know, if China's changing the Bible. Is it? Oh, hey, just, you know, just read the Bible and then Who you knows? know. Read the Bible and you find out. <laughs> I, I like that actually. I like that uh, because you have some good translations and you have some better translations and you have some worse translations of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And my translation, of course, is the most amazing translation. But <laughs> and everybody else has a dodge. No, yikes, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> Um, but where was I going with that? Um, I've lost my train of thought now. Uh, but, you know, the Bible that I was reading when I gave my heart to, to God was not one of the greatest translations ever made, mm. but it led me to Christ. Yeah, amen. And so the most important thing about reading the Bible mm-hmm. is to read the Bible. Yes. So get out there and read it. And maybe what we all need to do is do a close study of our Bibles to see if China has sneaked anything sneaky in there. Yeah. Read those Ten Commandments again. Make sure that there's not any uh, three-letter words missing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe memorize those Ten Commandments. Won't do you such a bad thing. (sighs) All right. Um, And what else have we got here? Okay, somebody um, commenting on the figures for COVID. Mm. How do we trust them? Ooh, good point. Are they true? Are they false? Are people dying from COVID or with COVID? Oh, okay. This has been the debate. This is the the hot. This is the this is the hot debate. Have we closed our economies down for no reason, mm-hmm. or with and and this is and this is one of the interesting things that they are coming out in mainstream science where they're saying that the actual COVID numbers are ten times what is reported. Mm-hmm. You know, and and for instance, out at Bathurst, they found that there was COVID in the sewage system but there's been no cases reported from Bathurst, but they know that somebody there had COVID. The interesting thing so is... how much COVID is getting around that we don't actually know about? 
But if, if COVID is getting around, this is my question. If yes. high amounts of COVID is getting around, like no matter what causes the death, people still die, right? Yes. So death is always reportable. And it's like you just have to look at a, an increase of overall deaths, no matter yeah, that's what right. the cause is. Yes. And then you would have some... Well, how, what you'd have to do is to have a projection of deaths because our population in Australia is increasing. So a projection of deaths from this time last year mm-hmm. and then compare it with this year and say, you know, has it increased or not? Ooh. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Okay. What do we got here? I think that's most of our, most of our text messages. Mm. Let me just double check. But yeah, the with COVID from COVID thing, that's the, that's the Facebook debate, right? Oh, there. it is. Oh, Absolutely. It's Absolutely. going off. Absolutely. I, mean, I have no idea. <laughs> I just have, simply I. have no idea. Um, somebody wants to, somebody's been texting through and they want to know whether, you know, when we're on our way to heaven, this is kind of a random one. Will we look, and ba- look back and say it was worth it all? Oh, that's a now, good now, now, this is a good, this is an interesting question because you need to put it in its context. Was what worth it all? Mm. Was our surrender to Jesus Christ and was the persecution that we endured worth it all? Mm -hmm. Or was allowing a world of sin to exist Mm. and us having to live in that sin Mm. so that God could finish the great controversy? Was that what was made it worth it all? What makes it worth it all? Mm. I think it's like... And we and will and will we even look over our shoulder when we're on our way to heaven? Oh, I hope not. <laughs> like we we have a uh, we have you know an example of that in the Bible already of the uh, the dangers of looking over the shoulder. It's like, but I feel like those who are going to heaven with the character that you know is looking for heaven wouldn't need to look over our shoulders because. Man, oh, I have this conversation probably like once a week with one of my friends of like, man, this world is clapped. Like this world is so wrecked and um, life is tough. You know, the, the woes of a university student and <laughs> being poor. <laughs> like we're just being incredibly melodramatic. But this is, like, this is, this is Lawson's life right now. But at the same time, it's like just, you know, the truth is, is that this what 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 is worth it in this world like that's that's the that's the real question is like those on the other side of the fence who aren't going to heaven who are waking up in the second resurrection are they going to be asking oh man was this worth it and i probably you know the bible says that all um you know uh knees will bow and all tongues will confess that god is good and i think they'll they'll know the answer to that it's like was sin worth it was holding on to it worth it i guess you know because of their pride like they never relinquish and they probably might die thinking that it is, but for the people then on the other side, it's like it's clear to them, like, man, it was worth getting out of planet Earth because that place is not good. Even when you talk about, even when you talk about university and I wonder how many people stand up front and, which is you will do in three years' time and receive your <laughs> bachelor's degree and say, yeah, no, that wasn't worth it. <laughs> I think when they're receiving that degree, most people are looking back and saying, yeah, it was worth it. Mm. Definitely. They might change their mind later in life, some of them. But a lot of them won't. <laughs> yeah. A lot of them will, you know, uh, most people I know that have a degree look back with tremendous fondness on and nostalgia on those mm. years of being a poor student, working hard, living mm. in dormitories, eating cafeteria food, but <laughs> having a great time, you know, just um, living the life and particularly 
people like mm. yourself, myself, that were studying for ministry. What a just mm. amazing time it was. It's amazing, but at the same time, it's like, I think, you know, the biggest thing that people can comment on, and when we talk about going to heaven as well, it's like, you know, the struggles that come with that, and like, not to get uh, overly, um, oh, what's the word, like, uh, you know, there's people, motivational speaker here, but, you know, any success you know, requires some kind of short, like period of short term or even prolonged uh, suffering. So, you know. Yeah, it's kind of how it is. the game. That's the world in which we live right now at this time. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Man, at this point, we're just podcasting. We, we are. need to do a Bible study, all right? <laughs> we need to do a Bible study. <laughs> One more text message. We did have a slew of them come in. Um, somebody asking about, you know, why we're searching for, if evolution is true, why are we searching for life on other planets? Shouldn't, when you look at the, the possibilities of evolution and how wow. unlikely life is... Shouldn't life be so ridiculously rare that it could only ever exist on one planet? Isn't and yet we look for it on Mars, which is just like our nearest neighbour. Isn't that because like there's like a great part of evolutionists who just admit the fact that it's just impossible for life to come from nothing and then Absolutely. they resort to like, oh yeah, so you know, aliens planted seeds on earth or something like that yeah you know? this is true All this, kinds is, this of is very true uh, a, a huge majority of evolutionists today particularly in the high levels of of uh, science recognize that evolution is impossible and so they move to the uh you know the alien seed theory or whatever it might be mm. which doesn't solve the problem it just moves the problem of life to somewhere else in the universe mm-hmm. Mm. and but you know if that's the case then we should be finding evidence for life on mars and venus and places like that mm-hmm. but we don't well, oh, we've had we've little, had indications yeah. on which I think it was on Venus or Neptune or one of them recently um, for yeah bacterial life possibly. I remember actually I do remember seeing a story about like life they they you know took a sample from like a comet or something that had some bacteria on it. So yeah, well, there's no there's there's not actually been a um, a full blown like yes here's evidence yet. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think if they do find something like that, be like, aha, this is how it arrived in the, on, on, on Earth. And then their problems are going to be just 10 times bigger because, like, well, how did it arrive in the universe? Mm, wow. All right. Um, where are we up to? Bible study Bible time. Study. Bible study time. <laughs> we are talking about shame. Yes. Have you exper- ever experienced shame? Oh, yeah. You know? I think it's one of the most awful things ever, isn't it? Y- yes. It's like, oh, I'm cringing. I'm sitting here cringing. Do you ever do that thing where you, like... So, you just <laughs> die inside just even mentioning the word, right? Last night, I'm like sitting at home, like on my couch, and I'm just like, you know, having a, 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 a daydreaming session. And I thought back to 2016, I was a pizza driver for three months. And on this one day, I accidentally didn't bring these people's drink like twice. Like I left the drink at the store and I had to go back, <laughs> talk to the manager, say I left the drink. And luckily I was like quitting the next week to go to like Bible college but like I was sitting there on the couch thinking and I like physically cringed and was like man that's so awful and then I talked I'm like that was like four years ago like no one remembers that <laughs> <laughs> it was the worst feeling somebody's like, listening to the radio right now and they're like that's the guy <laughs> <laughs> you left my drink at Domino's yeah oh man that's wild yeah shame's the worst shame's the worst ah uh, yes alright so let's um, let's, let's uh, okay so who among us has never been ashamed of himself or herself 
Who among us hasn't done things that pain us to think about? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that we would recoil in horror at the thought of others knowing. Well, <laughs> Lawson just kind of um, spooked that one yeah. on radio. <laughs> yeah. So the way radio works, Lawson. <laughs> oh, I thought I was just having a conversation with you, Lyle. Is that everybody gets to hear. <laughs> um, okay, so imagine what it would be like to be Adam and Eve. Yeah, well, yikes. Right? Mm-hmm. For, like, the next 930 years, Mm. every time you thought about the fruit, Mm. every time you saw death, pain, sin, suffering, Mm. wow, the shame that would come with that and just coming back again and again and again. You know, I think God was uh, very, very merciful, Mm. incredibly merciful to to Australia. I mean, sorry, to um, this world. Mm. <clears throat> I'm getting sidetracked here because I'm reading <laughs> I'm reading text messages at the same time I talk. I think it was very, very merciful in that uh, for Adam and Eve in that they only lived for 930 years, mm. and then he brought he did, did away with immortality. Mm. Um, what about Jacob when he tricked his father, deceived his own father, and I mean he went all out in yeah, deception. Wow. You know mm. he 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 made he made sleeves for his arms out of goat's hair so that he felt like his brother. Mm. He wore his brother's clothes. He you know, the, the, he went to great detail to pull off a massive scam. Mm. Uh, you know, imagine being the woman caught in adultery. We talked about the woman in adultery earlier because, mm. of course, the Chinese have rewritten that story mm. to say that Jesus stoned her to death. Um, but we, we talked about that earlier, but she's been dragged out naked through the middle of the city. Mm-hmm. To be condemned and to be stoned to death, and for the whole city to see her and to see her shame. Mm. You know, that's that's just horrific on the next level. Yeah, wow. Uh and, and the way that Jesus treats her is amazing. You think of David, and there's a great psalm. Let's go to Psalms thirty two and let's read some passages from Psalms thirty two. Uh, and talk about, you know, because that last story is in John chapter 8, the woman caught in adultery, but David was caught in adultery as well. Yeah, wow. And we've got several expressions of his repentance and of his his relation, the way he related to God throughout that experience. Shame is, shame is one of the, if you talk to David Haupt, we often, we talk to David every Wednesday, mm. <clears throat> shame is probably one of the most powerful driving <clears throat> forces that drives, because you know, he talks about emotional health, that drives our um, our emotional unhealth. Mm. It's the sense of shame. Yeah, 100%. And God has the solution to shame. Mm. You know, we can, we can have a bit of a laugh about um, Lawson not being a drink, but there's <laughs> other things in Lawson's life and in my life that I'm sure, you know, because Lawson will come here on air and talk about that. On the radio. Mm. There's other things I'll guarantee yeah. that you would never talk about. And I'm telling you right now, I would never talk about. Mm-hmm. Not here on radio. Mm. Never. I Those are between that. me and God and they will remain there. Mm. And that's you know, and that's what God is for. But uh, those are things that we all have those things in our life that bring us shame. Mm. When you think about them. And that shame can become a driving factor in our life. And this is why Christianity is so important. And having a relationship with God is so vital to our mental and emotional health mm. is because this is where shame is dealt with. 
and gone and done with, taken away by the mm. grace of God forever. I think like, because persecution, right, and being treated terribly by other people is one thing. But, like, shame is often, and not always, but often a reflection of your personal shortcomings, which is, like, that is, like, so tough to take because it's, like, the reason I feel this way is because I deserve it, you know, because I've done something wrong. Um, and, and it's, like, man, you can just fall into such a hole there of, of self-consciousness and just death because it's, like, you think about how big of a st- mistake you made, but obviously, as we're going to read Psalm 32, um, there is a solution. Like, God is there working in that situation or the, in these particular situations to um, to help those who are struggling with shame. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, when I th- think of, like, Matthew 11, 11, verse 28, you know, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Like, God is calling us from our burdens particularly of shame as well. But let's read Psalm 32. Which verse? Uh, just start in verse 1. Any of these verses are good. Read any. Read anything from Psalms 32. All right. Psalm 32 and verse 1. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Mm-hmm. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. And I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength was evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the, un- uh, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment for you are my hiding place you protect me from trouble you surround me with the songs of victory the lord says i will guide you along the best pathway for your life i will advise you and watch over you do not be like a senseless horse or a mule that needs to a bit and brindle to keep it under control Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad. All you who obey him, shout for the Lord, all you whose hearts are pure. What a great reading. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. You know, I was just thinking the words of this psalm that Lawson brought to us just before the break. You know, I asked Lawson, just read a couple of verses. And then he got started and the more he read, the more I'm like, no, you know what? Just let the word speak. It's a scripture reading this morning. Let's it's go. just a scripture. We just need to let the word speak. Mm, amen. You look at you look at what is going on here in this verse, and here's somebody who truly understood shame because he was shamed in front of his entire nation. Yeah, wow. As the king, you know. So you've got the king, you've got the celebrity, very successful king, great celebrity, mm. all that kind of stuff, completely and totally shamed. You've got you know, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man. <clears throat> Unto whom the Lord imputes not iniquity, but in whose spirit there is no guile. Mm. But then you get these, these these passages that follow that because he starts off with, you know, praise God for forgiveness. Mm. Then he goes back a bit. He says, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. I think yours wow. was a little bit uh, more modern English than that in verse 3. Yeah, mine says, uh, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Yeah. Mm. 
And so I think all of us have been in that situation of being in great shame. Wow. Mm. Having done something just truly awful. Mm. And often something that, you know, I know for myself, speaking for myself, it's affected other people. Uh, it's not just, you know, it's not just on me. And you just, you just got it and you think, you just feel like the lowest piece of scum on the earth. I, mm. I'm just speaking for myself. I know you had us there as yeah. listeners. Wow. I think we've all been there at times. And I can, I can, I can relate to this. Mm. Keeping silence, keeping it bottled in, groaning on the inside. What was verse 4 say? Mm. Day and night uh, disciplined by your heavy hand. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. And then my Bible says the word Selah. Mm. And the word Selah, you'll often find that in the Psalms, and it simply means stop here and take a few moments to think about the last bit we just read. Wow. Mm. You know, and so this is what this is what David is saying. I want you to stop right here and think about that. Have you ever been in that mm. experience? Have you ever felt that? Because David knows that we have. He knows mm. that we're human beings. He knows yes, that we've yeah. been there. And because of that, He's like, blessed is the man mm. who receives forgiveness, who comes under the power of God's grace. Wow. Praise God. We mm. serve an incredible God. It's so interesting, like, the, like noting, you know, the physical effects of, of, you know, how he's like, oh, yeah, because of my sins, I groaned all day long. Like, this is purely, you know, um, a psychological problem. Yes. Shame. Yeah, it's, it's like a... It's coming out of him like a full-on sickness, like he's physically impaired. Physically sick because of the emotional torment that he's going through Mm. and the depression that he's suffering from. Yeah. And it shows me that, like, there's actually a problem here. Like, there, this isn't just something that, you know, is, is ethereal. I think that, you know, often when I just look at spirituality, not referencing, like, Christianity, but, you know, just as a whole, like, and the the solutions that it can give. Like, I mean, in uh, spirituality in the kind of general sense, if we look at all around the world, all the different faiths and, you know, the benefits of being spiritual. And I'm like, sometimes I look at it and I kind of see that they're trying to solve problems that aren't really there. They're giving solutions to problems that aren't really a part of my life. I'm I'm like, you know, what is it? And I don't want to take a shot at anyone specifically, but when I hear the words like, oh yeah, you know, you just got to align that chakra and then your life will be perfect again. Like, I'm like, what is, how does that affect me personally? Mm-hmm. Whereas when I'm seeing here, David write about this very real experience of like, the shame is calling me mental and physical torment, yet God has a solution to this real problem. Because every human being has been there regardless of whether they believe in God or not. Yeah, wow. Amen. You know, that's evidence right there. If it was just, it was just about aligning your know, chakras or something like that, and we evolved from you know monkeys or whatever it might be, there would no be no such thing as guilt and shame. Mm. That would not exist. The world we would live in would not would be devoid of morality. We've talked about this many times. There is no evolutionary process for the development of morality, and there mm. are incredibly successful species that have no morality. Yes, mm. but humans have morality. Mm. And we've, yeah, we've, we've all been here. Okay, so let's go back to Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 3, sorry. Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to talk about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. That was one of the uh, points that was brought up in the introduction here. So Genesis chapter 3, and 
we're supposed to read from verse 1. We'll, we'll probably skip through a couple of these verses and look at what happens. You all know the story of what happens in Genesis chapter 3, how Eve is deceived. She eats the fruit. Uh, she calls to Adam and says, hey, come and give this stuff a try. He's not deceived. He knows what he's getting into. He goes in with his eyes open and just plain straight out sins. He eats the fruit as well. And then you have the uh, the results of that. Let's start in verse 7. Why don't we read verses 7 through 11? Yep. Um, Genesis chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 7, the Bible says, At that moment their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt the shame felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? It's an interesting story. You think about this. Is there any animal, any creature in the animal kingdom that wears clothes? Nope. No. Is there any animal out there that feels shame for getting around naked? No. <laughs> There's not, is there? No. But human beings automatically, innately. Wow have a sense of shame about being naked. Mm. I mean, you've all had that dream, right? Oh, no, don't talk about the dream, Lyle. <laughs> the dream of where you turn up to, 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 to school or to work or to church or oh, wherever it might be. Ch- and get, suddenly, I get up to preach. And you've got no pants on and it's just, okay, we've all had that dream. It's yeah. a recurring dream. Mm. Where does that come from? Why do human beings have a sense of shame about nakedness? Mm. Now, I understand that there are people in you know, some um, traditional uh, indigenous environments where they don't have that shame because that's how you know, they've always lived. And, of course, you know, people that you know, practice naturism, whatever it might mm-hmm. be, have been able to suppress that sense of shame. But even people from either of those cultures – Take them out of that culture, they instantly have a sense of shame. Yeah. Mm. Why? Where does that come? What is the evolutionary mm. process that has created that? Mm. There is no evolutionary process for that. That began right here in the Garden of Eden. When suddenly they sinned and they're like, and they just felt that shame. And shame comes with sin. And then you have this interesting question that comes down here in verse... Where did we get up to? We got up to verse 11. Okay. Uh, so who told you you were naked? Yeah, the Bible says... Where are we going to? They heard... Um, verse 8. Oh. Ah, we're out of time. Oh, what happened? <laughs> we just the got music too, started too playing. much into it. Too much into it. You're listening to The Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so the it is now time for... Question of the day. I love it. All right, question of the day. What is the deal with polygamy in the Bible? Polygamy in the Bible is wrong. Why would this be a question? Be- because there are people who do it, and particularly pay- like faithful people. We're just reading a Psalm of David, have multiple wives. Yes, and this is a really interesting point because you know Solomon is somebody that we will see in heaven along with David, uh, along with you know, Abraham and Jacob. And these are people, all people who had multiple wives. If you go back to, and, and so what is what is the deal right there is that then, okay, does 
does people who are going to be saved doing a certain thing sanctify that thing? So let's say, for instance, that King David, he also committed murder. Does the fact that he is going to be saved sanctify murder? Mm. No, it doesn't. Does the fact that he committed adultery sanctify adultery? No, it doesn't. Does the fact that he committed polygamy sanctify polygamy? No, it doesn't. God did not create Adam and ten wives. God created Adam and Eve. This is the model that is given in the Bible. And if you go back to the Old Testament, what is interesting to read is that before the flood, there is only one person as recorded as having more than one wife. And when you read that story, it's kind of like a bit of a standout story because like, oh, here was something that was different. This was something that was new. This was something that was unheard of before. What's going on here? Indicating that this, you know, up until this particular point, this was not something that had been seen in the world. Then you come to the time of Moses, and when Moses writes the Constitution for Israel, he specifically writes into the Constitution, you know, you don't need a king, God is your king, but when you rebel against God and you get yourself mm-hmm. a king, the king is not to be polygamous. He's not to assemble a multitude of wives like David and Solomon and a number of the other kings of Israel and Judah did. Mm-hmm. So God was very much against polygamy all the way through, and we can look at some very, very compelling social reasons for that today. Uh, anybody who wants to even think about that is like, really, seriously, you want to go down that path? We were having the conversation yeah, in the break like, about no, open relationships. This would and- be... Uh, it's no such thing as an open relationship. It's not a relationship. But anyway, um, where are we up to? We So we're talking about... Um, what the Bible says on this particular subject. Paul is very, very clear about it. He says, Now concerning the matters about which he wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relationships with a woman. Mm. So he, he, he liked celibacy. But because of the temptation of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Mm. So it's like, okay, be fine to live a celibate life, but you're going to be tempted. So rather than uh, being tempted, get married. The husband should give his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his body, but the wife does. Wow. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves unto prayer. So Paul's very, very clear about this. This is a healthy uh, sexual relationship and how it should happen with you and your one wife. And of course... Uh, then in a number of other places, you know, First Timothy, therefore an overseer or a bishop or a, or a pastor or an elder, whatever, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife. The Bible is very clear. We were created to have one spouse and we are to have one spouse. The patriarchs who, who had more than one, they had to receive forgiveness for that like any other sin they committed. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.